Hey, it's Karen Hunter from the Karen Hunter Show on Sirius XM Urban View. Here's a highlight from today's show. There's a new book out. It's called Reclamation. Sally Hemings, Thomas Jefferson, and the Descendant's Search for Her Family's Lasting Legacy. Let me welcome that descendant herself, Gail Jessup White. Welcome to the Karen Hunter Show. Thank you. Thank you. What's that applause? That's nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you, you know. What's that applause? That applause track is really good. No, it's it's it's, it's special. It's real. You know, we want to make people uh, understand that their their stay here with us is valuable. So, um, you know, we we've been having this conversation at last on Friday. I was talking a little bit about passing. Uh, the movie on Netflix, and you know, uh, very artistically done, very well done. Uh, and I think about, you know, the country's foundings, uh, most of the presidents, the early presidents, uh, owned human beings. Uh, mm-hmm. they were very complicated people. Uh, some would say, well, that was the law and that was the way this country was. How can you hold them accountable as a descendant of Sally Hemings? Where, you know, how do you feel about, um, the attempt to erase the, the or to, to reframe what the founding fathers did in terms of how they treated people and owned people and raped people? Well, my book, um, Reclamation, is about truth-telling. So, of course, I believe that we must do all that we can to peel back the layers that um, have covered the truth of American history. I'd like to call myself a myth, bu- myth buster. Um, we have lived with these American myths that um, the founders were almost sainted. Well, the founders are human beings and they were flawed human beings and many of them owned people, including my ancestor, Thomas Jefferson, um, who knew in fact that it was morally wrong. So we must face that as a country that the people who founded this space um, were humans who were flawed and damaged and did things that were immoral. Only people is immoral. It's as simple as that. Uh, so, so Gail, walk, walk me through the discovery. Um, where were you when you found out that Thomas Jefferson was one of your ancestors? Oh, I love that question because I was actually a 13-year-old girl living in Washington, D.C., which is my hometown. I live in Richmond now, but I was in Washington then, um, which became... Um, um, a majority black city the year I was born. And I don't hide my age. I'm kind of proud of it. I was born in 1957. And you better come on black. Don't crack. You better say it with, even with Thomas Jefferson. He <laughs> mess up the black gene. I promise you. I'm like, what? Wait a minute. How, how is this possible? 1957. Thank you. How? Thank you. Where? my sister, And thank you. My ancestors. I really appreciate that. So I have an older sister who's 20 years older than I am. Thankfully, she's still with us. And she had been living in Asia, living in Singapore, where her husband, and this is back in the late 60s, early 70s, where her husband was covering the Vietnam War for Time magazine. My sister was visiting our house after living abroad and living in Boston for several years. And my sister talks and talks and talks and talks. And so she was talking about her experience. And I was at first enthralled with her because she's very beautiful and very glamorous. And then after a while, she talks so much, I just kind of got bored. And I went into the kitchen and I'm in the refrigerator. I'm looking for a soda. And I write about this in the book. I'm looking for something to drink. When I hear my sister say, she's very dramatic. And I hear my sister say, and I descended, I said, we're descended from Thomas Jefferson. 
So I was really shocked by this, having never heard anything like this in my 13 years of life. And it ends up, Karen, that my sister was at an embassy party. Now remember, we set, let's set the stage. This party would have happened in, as I said, the late 60s, early 70s. But so the early 70s, when I'm hearing it, the party would have happened in the late 60s. They're at an embassy party in Saigon. Her husband was the assistant bureau chief um, in, in, in the Saigon office of Time Magazine. And my sister and her husband were the um, guests of honor at a small dinner party at the American embassy. They were the only black people there. They're at a table, it's eloquently set, and the guests there are all white with the exception of um, Wally, my brother-in-law, late brother-in-law and my sister. And they're talking about their heritage and they're bragging about it. And they're speaking of the lineage as if they're royalty. And my sister's so offended by this because she really believes that we fought a war <laughs> to rid ourselves of royalty. So she was really offended by it. And she gives her husband a look. Now, this is a time when women were still seeking permission to speak out. So in high, holding her husband in a certain regard and respect, she gives him a look and he knows what's coming. He knows what she's gonna say and he nods his head and she announces at this dinner party, we're descended from Thomas Jefferson. The subject back in the sixties was totally taboo. You know that in the late 1960s, it was still illegal for blacks and whites to marry in some parts of the country. Right. And she makes this announcement. And this is the story I hear telling my dad when I'm 13 years old. And it was a shock to me. And from that moment forward, I made it a, a mission, almost an obsession to uncover whether this was in fact true because it seemed very unlikely. I was very proud of my black heritage. At the, by the time I was 13, I was aware of my blackness and it just didn't make sense to me that we would have been descended from Jefferson. So I needed to figure it out. But I'm, so she's telling the story to your father. Why didn't he know? He, he did know. Um, and this is complicated. You, you know, I say all the time, black people are not this monolith walking through history. We're different. We've been, we're like everybody else. When we were enslaved, there were people who, who were enslaved who found hope and um, managed to get through that horribly oppressive institution. And there were people who did not. So we're, we're all kinds of people with all kinds of emotions. And my dad was a person who felt a kind of um, stigma associated with the enslavement of his ancestors. And so it's not that he didn't know, it's that he chose not to talk about it. My dad was a light-skinned black man who could have passed for white and he resented why he looked that way and he didn't like to talk about it. And, so it's, and there's more to the story than that. But you got to read the book Reclamation to yes. find out all of it. But, you know, I'm just I want to walk through this uh, journey uh, because mm -hmm. we are right now. I feel like we're at this um, inflection point in our history. And I say it just about every day. And America is going to have to make a decision. But whether she makes a decision or not, it's up to black people to determine the future of this nation, whether it's going to survive or not. And it's really in our hands. We're not monolithic, but community has to be at the forefront of every decision that we make moving forward. And part of that is dealing with these, um, you know, complicated histories, right? The colorism, you know, as I mentioned, passing and, and what that means moving forward, because it's still there. 
on some level. We just had a conversation about the harder they fall and whether Zazie Beetz should have been playing stagecoach Mary, who was a zoftic, dark-skinned, robust black woman, you know, um, and she answers that. that yes. <laughs> you know, um, and we're talking with Gail Jessup White. Your sister, you know, even though your father wasn't talking about it, how does she know something that wasn't readily talked about in the, in the house? Well, that's a really good question. Um, my sister was a good listener. And growing up, we had living with us. I didn't know her. She um, had left the family before I um, was born. I came late, very late. I'm the youngest in the family. But there was a woman who lived with us. Her name was Aunt Peachy. That's what they called her. And Aunt Peachy used to say to my sister all the time, you're descended from Thomas Jefferson. I'm not, but you are. Well, it ends up that Aunt Peachy was my grandmother's half sister. So it was my grandmother who was descended from Jefferson, um, not Aunt Peachy, but Janice heard these words from her from the time she was a little girl and took it to heart and believed her. She never doubted her, oddly enough. Um, Aunt Peachy was a woman, um, I'm told, who couldn't read, write, or even sign her own name. And she was given to telling wild wives' tales and, and um, fabulous type stories. But my sister believed that. It ends up that it was true. So how did you find out? So, so again, you know, we're all, you know, and the little child should lead us. I believe that young people, man, that's why we can't, you know, children should be seen and not heard. You were raised in that era, right? Your sister's raised in an era where women couldn't buy property without a man, right? So, so coming up, my mom couldn't buy property without, you know, a, a man's signature on that property. It wasn't until the seventies that a, a woman could own property in her own name, credit cards in her own name, which is, I mean, that's not too long ago, right? It's shocking. It's certainly within my lifetime. So, so we're navigating these truths and, and, you know, with this power, your pursuit of this, why did you want to pursue it? Why did you, why did you need to know the, the answer? So again, there are many facets to that question, but at the time, one of the reasons I needed to know was because Thomas Jefferson was my favorite president. And Jefferson was my favorite president because he wrote the Declaration of Independence. And I thought that was a magnificent document. And I still do, frankly. And I could not come to terms with how, in fact, I, as a little black girl growing up in Washington, DC, could be related to the third president of the United States because like many Americans, I had not been taught that Jefferson owned people. So as a curious youngster and as a person who would eventually become a journalist, it was important for me to understand how what I accepted as truth from my sister, someone I trusted, and ultimately from my dad, because I did press him and prod from him, but he knew about it, how this could possibly be. And, and of course, there are other reasons that have to do with family connections and relationships that also spurred me on. But originally, it was because I was simply fascinated about how this could be possible. I needed to know. Gail Jessup White, uh, award-winning television and uh, broadcaster uh, journalist, uh, used her journalism skills to find out, found, she found out. Um, so how does that change how you feel about yourself? Now that you know, does it, what, what's the, what change happened? So I love that question because it, it wasn't just learning that I was related to Jefferson. 
it was learning how I was related to Jefferson. And it turns out that I'm related to him because of the complicated relationships that have long existed in the United States of America because of relations, as my mother would have said, that white men had with black women. And it's those people, those people who are enslaved by Jefferson, who inspired me to write this story. My ancestors, my black ancestors who endured so much for me to be where I am today are the people I relate to, the people in whom I have so much pride and in whom I find so much joy and strength. So when I was able to uncover Jefferson and my ties to him, I was also unable to uncover my black family and my black ancestors. And having done that, and it took decades to do so, I feel like a whole person <laughs> that I know who my people are and I know why I do some of the things I do, why I respond as I do and why my id is so solid, why I feel so good about who I am, because they created for me a foundation that I lived with and that I live upon. The book is called Reclamation, Sally Hemings, Thomas Jefferson, and a Descendant's Search for Her Family's Lasting Legacy. Gail Jessup White is here. Um, this country right now is moving through a space. I'm not sure where we're going to end up, where we're going to land. I, I don't know if this experiment is going to uh, continue, but we're in a we're in a period of time. We got books being banned. Um, I was just talking about my buddy um, Jerry Jerry Craft, who has a really you know nice book about you know it's a graphic novel, it's a comic book about a new kid moving into a white neighborhood and and his you know trials and struggles to fit in. Uh, that's being banned, beloved. I mean, there's so many books that are being banned right now. And there's this move to erase, because I won't even bring up critical race theory, because that's not what it is. Critical race theory is a specific curriculum taught in law school. It has nothing to do with, you know, these school boards making this decision to not have it. You don't have to worry about it. It's not law school. But they, it seems like they want to erase history because they don't want their children to feel bad about themselves as you hear this you know kind of royal throughout the country the the school boards rejecting the notion of even talking about what you wrote a whole book about how do you think it's going to end up and what what are your thoughts on that gail well i i i have no idea how it's going to end up but um it's it's kind of shocking really that this is happening in the 21st century um However, I am eternally hopeful. Um, right now in this country, we're politicizing almost everything. However, there are people who are working to move forward. You mentioned earlier, and I was really struck by this, this resonated with me, that Black people are the ones who have to save this country. Well, Black people have always been the moral conscious of this country, and we will continue to be so, and we must um, join forces with our allies, um, black, white, brown, and other wise to become part of a coalition to move forward, to make the American experiment successful because right now we're teetering on the brink and we can't afford failure. So we must rise up and call upon our ancestors to support our initiatives to preserve this country 
not as the founders established it because most people, including white people who didn't own property were left out of the original founding documents, but to preserve this country for all Americans. This country still has the potential to be great, but we've got to discard the mythologies, get rid of them and face the reality. You mentioned critical race theory. Well, you're absolutely right. Critical race theory is not being taught to little children or high school children or even college students. It's, it's a, a legal discipline, but what must be taught in school is the truth, the truth of this country. And it can, might be a painful truth, but so what? How are we gonna heal if we don't deal with the truth? How are we gonna be better if we don't deal with the truth? Gail Jessup White, I'm gonna throw something out there that I've been contemplating for the better part of two years since this pandemic and George Floyd. And wh why do we, why should we save it? You write about the 607 people enslaved by Jefferson, right? Who is one of the founding fathers, the framers of this constitution. Uh, I, I did a book with Keith Ellison who swore in on Jefferson's Quran. He was a world traveler. He understood a lot of things. He was very well read. And yet he chose to keep people in bondage and he chose to rape Sally Hemings and he chose to keep the children that he produced with her in bondage. He chose to do that and he knew it was wrong. He knew it was wrong. Um, and I'm grateful that you're here, you know, but I'm asking this question every day because, you know, election, we show up, we show up in Georgia, we show up in South Carolina, we give this president the victory and still are waiting for something in return. Why? Maybe, maybe this country was founded in a lie. The soil is full of our ancestors blood it was built on the backs and bones of the people who came before us why should we save it so first i'd like to clarify something um about sally hemmings sally hemmings was my four times great aunt. i'm not directly descended from her i'm descended from one of her brothers and sally hemmings and i work at monticello by the way I've worked at Monticello for more than five years now, and we do a lot of truth telling at Monticello. And one of the things we tell the truth about is who Sally Hemings was. Yes, Sally Hemings was enslaved by Jefferson. Um, Sally Hemings was a part of a, a large family, the Hemings family, my family, who was enslaved by the Jefferson family and um, it's his extended family actually for generations. However, Sally Hemings, for a brief moment in time, and this is so important, exercised her own agency. When she was in Paris with Jefferson, she came um, a year or so after he was there as ambassador to care for one of his daughters. She began relations. We don't want to call it a relationship. We don't know what kind of relationship it was, but relations, as my mom mentioned earlier, would have said with him that ultimately produced children. While she was in Paris with him, he was 40, she was 16, 14 to 16, 14 when she arrived, 16 when she left, she was pregnant. He wanted her to come back to the States with him. And she demurred, and this is in the words of one of their sons, she demurred. She said, no, I'm not coming back unless I have certain privileges. Among them, any children we have will be manumitted, they'll be free. So he agreed that she would have privileges and that their children would be free. 
They had six children together, four of whom survived into adulthood. At the age of 21, all of those children were either allowed to walk away from the plantation or given their freedom. And she had her privileges. And when Jefferson died in 1826, she was given her time, which means that she was allowed to live as a free woman. And she stayed in Virginia until her death. So I think it's important to begin to think of Sally Hemings not as an appendage of Thomas Jefferson, but as a woman who emancipated her children, a woman who demonstrated great courage and, intelli courage and intelligent intelligence when she challenged Jefferson, who was a very influential man at that point and paved a way for herself and for her progeny to live a better life because her children were emancipated two generations before most of our ancestors were. So she was a remarkable woman. And I would encourage people to see her that way. Um, was she owned by Jefferson? Which is, yes, which is really disgusting to imagine, but she was an individual, mm. very intelligent. Uh, and again, it, it, I encourage people to see her as much more than a victim. I don't think um, anybody, you know, and at least, and I, you know, I hope that that wasn't what I was trying to intimate, but I don't know. I mean, it's just like, uh, you know, police officer Daniel Holesclaw who pulls somebody over and rapes them, you know, and there were like 20 people who were, who this was done to, who didn't have a voice and they didn't have an opportunity. And then he picked a, a grandmother who he, you know, assumed was a woman of ill repute whatever that is and that started that thread being pulled i don't know that you know even if sally hemmings was able to say no in paris unless you you know give me certain privileges that didn't free all black people but it also you know there were very few choices that she had it, from an age standpoint and also being owned by somebody so she couldn't even though she said no to that she couldn't say no to the advances and i you know i feel you know i love your story you know, at the same time, I'm going to come back to that question. What are we saving if this country was built on a lie that was perpetuated stories that you never learned in school? I never learned in school. I had two uh, uh, two chapters in my history book, and it was about slavery in terms of black people. I never learned about the thousands of years that black people ruled the world before. And we still don't teach the kingdoms of Timbuktu and Kemet and Nubia. We still don't teach about, you know, the great dynasties uh, in Africa. And this continent is five times bigger than what the cartographers in my school showed. So we're still not telling the truth. And now there's an error to erase all of the, the little bit of truth that comes in. I know you're doing the work, but what's wh why do we save it? How do we, you know, why would we muster the energy and put that back in to save a thing built on a lie? Yeah, so are we saving the country of 250 years ago? Are we saving the country that is ours now? This is our country. That's why the book is called Reclamation. We must claim this country as our own. We must tell the truth that is our truth. We've always worked hard in this country, whether we were enslaved and working for somebody else and allowing other people to get rich off the backs of our labor, whether it's in the military or whether it's today where we have so many inequities in health and education and housing and economics that doesn't matter. What matters is it's our country. 
and we must save it for us, not for what the founders proposed and what the founders built, which was built on sand, but for us and what we're building for ourselves, reclaim it as mm. ours. That's what's worth saving. I don't know. I'm going to, um, I, I haven't arrived at that place yet. And as I said, I you know, that. During... I can understand that this is, this is very debatable. Um, and I understand how some people feel that way. Um, but I, I don't, I, I absolutely feel my, my people work to make this place. I, I, va- I promise you, Gail, I vacillate on a daily basis. I'm mm-hmm. watching this Rittenhouse trial and I'm watching yeah. this judge Schroeder set him loose. Bruce behave in a way that seems anything but just anything but fair, anything but what should happen in our court system. And every day, you know, it's like two steps forward, five, you know, it feels very, and I'm, I used to be very optimistic, but I'm like, what are we saving? What are we rescuing? Maybe, maybe you let it fall. Maybe we stop standing in the gap. Maybe we stop doing all of the things and coming to the rescue and, and see what happens and maybe out of the ashes, build the thing that needs to be built. Maybe it needs to be purified to come back as something new. I don't know. I don't know. I don't have the answers and I am vacillating, but I'm, I guess I'm at a level of frustration where it's like, what is it going to take? You know, we had a man literally have a knee on his neck for nine minutes and 29 seconds. We all watched him take his last breath and his body expel. We watched that happen and we were upset and angry in a pandemic. And then it's as if nothing a year later, business as usual. Um, there are people who are better sages than I who aren't able to answer that question. So I certainly can't, but I'll say this. I live in Richmond, Virginia. Virginia. The, yes. former, the former capital of the Confederacy. I moved there about 15 years ago. And in Richmond, Virginia, the, the people are proud of their history. And along the main boulevard there, Monument Avenue, there were statues erected around the turn of the 20th century to um, traitors, Robert E. Lee, Jefferson Davis, and others. And I never thought I'd see the day when those statues would no longer exist. Today, when I ride down Monument Avenue, those statues are all gone. So change happened. There's an ebb and flow to it. I don't encourage anyone to be patient. I think we need to move forward. Um, And I don't think we can ever give up. If I had given up when I first heard that tale from my sister 50 years ago, we wouldn't be having this conversation today. I wouldn't be able to say to your very smart audience, reclaim your history. Wouldn't be able to do that. So I don't believe in giving up. I don't believe in quitting. I believe in setting your goals and moving forward. I appreciate that. And it's given us a lot to think about, at least me. Uh, As I mentioned every day, I vacillate. Uh, Reclamation is the book. Sally Hemings, Thomas Jefferson, and a Descendant's Search for Her Family's Lasting Legacy. Gail Jessup White, if you get to Monticello, you're, you're there. You're there helping people navigate. You're there. Reclaiming that space. My ancestors built that space, so it's mine. It's ours. It's ours. Yes. It was a pleasure meeting you. Y'all can follow her at Gail, G-A-Y-L-E-J, White, on the Twitters. 
You are uh, amazing. And I appreciate you showing up today. Appreciate you. I appreciate your questions. Very thought provoking. Thank you. Hey, this is Karen Hunter. You can listen to the Karen Hunter show live every Monday through Friday at 3 p.m. East on Sirius XM Urban View Channel 126 or anytime on the Sirius XM app.